Hello, we are back for another episode. This is Sam. Hi, I'm Barrett. And this week we have on a very intriguing guest. This one is actually my boyfriend. Yay! Yay. (laughs) No, I'm actually excited about it. And (laughs) the reason I felt like he would be a good guest is because Brandon has a very unique life life path. He, He hasn't done the typical, you know, go to school, go to school, go to school, get a career, blah, 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 blah. He's... Brandon... Okay, we're back. So, Brandon, I know, like Sam said, you didn't have, like, the most traditional experience after high school, so maybe you'll just want to walk us through what happened after high school and, like, the path you're on now, and, yeah, just start there. All right. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I guess even during high school, it wasn't necessarily that traditional, because I I mean, I like flip-flopped a lot about what I wanted to do, quote unquote. And I mean, I think first was like, okay, I'll do engineering. And that was part of the reason I went to Centaurus. I was planning on doing engineering classes all four years and then eventually doing something with engineering. And then after one year, I was like, I don't like engineering. So I need to figure out something else to do. (laughs) And then I kind of like... Then I kind of found, uh, found like the military and like the opportunities they have because there's a lot and like I was from a like lower income family so their financial assistance yeah. <clears throat> in college was like a huge thing. So then I started looking into like doing ROTC specifically mm-hmm. like the AFROTC for the Air Force and, like trying to do something with the uh, GI Bill or something like that or uh you know they have just so many so many programs there's so many so much assistance that they offer so i was really kind of considering that for a while um yeah and then i sort of started to come into like more of my social awareness more and realized i don't really support the military so so I, i mean you know to anyone listening it's not like you know i mean it's a it's a necessary evil in a lot of ways but um but uh, I just, what? I mean, no, you true. can't, you gotta admit, right. I mean, I military agree. is pretty intense. Like yeah. a lot of people could say it's yeah. evil, but yeah. but I, it is necessary. But um, I personally just didn't want to be affiliated totally. with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then high school was wrapping up. I didn't want to go to college. That was like my thing. I was like, well, am I? Right. Um. Well, so yeah, I either wanted to take a gap year or just not go at all. And yeah. I mean, honestly, there was, it was like all cost pretty much. Yeah. It was pretty much tuition. It was like a huge thing. Cause I was like, okay, well, you know, I just didn't really want to go to like <clears throat> a community college, which are affordable, of course. Uh, but I don't know. I didn't really want to do that. I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to major in. I yeah. didn't want to commit four years of my life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like kind of conflicted about college. So then I did some seasonal jobs after high school and then was working at restaurants <clears throat> and liked that a lot. So I got a culinary arts degree. Um, but now I'm currently in school for a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology. And that's nice. a little overview there. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary. I mean, it's so funny like wrapping up so much of your life in such a short amount of time (laughs) because like just knowing you I know there's like so many stories and like one thing that I think is interesting that maybe would be like good to talk about is your seasonal jobs like you had you worked separately in Utah Telluride and Alaska like that's a big move like how did you come how did you decide that you wanted to work in Alaska that was your first one and talk a little bit about that experience and how like your seasonal jobs helped shape like you know where you ended up on your path all right so like a lot of people my first job was in a restaurant it was at a place called snarf burger that was right next to my house it was awesome i could walk there uh that was my first exposure to the restaurant industry and then i started working at alfalfa's which is a natural food store and i was a prep cook there and i liked both jobs a lot they were good for high school and i had a good time there but uh, i had a boss at alfalfa's who i really liked and basically she was asking me what i was going to do after high school and i was like i don't know i'll probably try to work in like a nice restaurant in denver like try to keep moving up and she was like 
oh dude like you should do something cooler you should go to alaska <laughs> like you should work in alaska and i'm like all right that's obscure like why and then she was like well like i know a chef who works there at one of the hotels and like you know there's a good chance that uh i could like reach out to him and maybe you can get a job there and i can help you with that and i'm like all right cool um so then i kind of started considering that obscure idea more seriously uh and it turned out like the chef that she was talking about didn't like wasn't actually able to help me do anything but i did just apply for the jobs normally and got that seasonal job in alaska which started right when i finished high school and i did it that summer um and yeah i mean it was sort of a product of just being like not really knowing what else to do and it just sounded cool and like i really wanted to get out i was really excited to move out of my uh parents house like get out of the hometown i wanted to just like travel um yeah that was a great experience because like especially being 18 it just like opened my eyes to just like a whole lot of possibilities and also i think different lifestyles Mm -hmm. because like so many of the people i met doing that job were were not like traditional people either and it was cool like i i met all these people that like really had a lot of cool qualities and they were just like living their life you know i mean they were doing seasonal jobs and a lot of them were older than me and granted some of them yeah were like kind of aimless kind of directionless but others just seemed to be doing like that lifestyle because they just genuinely liked it and they just like didn't want to do anything else you know and that was kind of eye-opening because it showed me as an 18 year old like you know people can live lots of different lives and and be happy doing it you know like there's not one right way to do it so then yeah, that was like kind of inspiring and I really liked that experience. So then I uh, worked at Telluride Ski Resort in Southern Colorado mm-hmm. uh, immediately after that during the winter. And uh, yeah, that was super cool too. And I think it just kind of even more solidified some of those things that I was seeing in Alaska. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely um, think that's huge to get exposure to other people's lifestyles because especially like we all grew up together as probably most people who are going to listen to this know (laughs) but but like yeah you can only imagine what you can see you know so it's like we see all these like suburban lives and like suburban jobs and like these these paths that so many of the people we know are on or I was on we're all on we stray whatever but it's like yeah, I mean, how could you even know that there's other possibilities if you, like, don't go out and, like, find people who are living them? So I think that's really important for people to do, go out and, like, meet other people and, like, see other paths. Yeah, and definitely. And another thing that I saw being there was, um, like, the specific lifestyle, like, the, the like, nomad lifestyle, where there was some people I knew who would work for like three to six months at seasonal jobs and save up a bunch of money and then just like travel for the rest of the year. And that's like, that's something that, I mean, a lot of people in society, like don't consider that as a possibility. Like, like when you, you know, everyone's wish is like, Oh, I'll travel when I'm retired or like, Oh yeah, I can't wait for my two weeks of vacation. I'll go traveling then. But you know, like seeing those people, they were just like, well, I want to travel. Like that's my priority. So I'm going to work half the year and just have fun the rest of the year. And yeah, that like that, like nomad lifestyle was uh, like very inspiring and, definitely is kind of uh part of like the life that i would like to live now mm-hmm. and i'm trying to live it's funny because this isn't about our relationship obviously this is about you but our whole relationship started like in europe yeah. like through traveling uh-huh. like it's a big priority and like you know we'd been hanging out and then i was like come to europe with me <laughs> and then you did which is crazy so that's definitely a big part of your life and also, I want it to be more of mine, but I just think it's, how do I say this? Like, yeah, I don't know. You've helped me grow a lot and see other possibilities, like, through your lifestyle and, like, through your mindset of, like, what's possible in life, definitely, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, and I also, like, would like to say that I think it's, like, it really is kind of, like, a transmitted thing, you know? I mm-hmm. think, like, I, like, I saw so many people in Alaska and Telluride that, like, kind of transmitted that to me, and then think i was able to like embody it more and like transmit it to other people and yeah yeah, i mean i think you gotta you gotta like sometimes you gotta have people who say these things are a possibility Mm -hmm. to fully acknowledge it like kind of like my boss said well why don't you work in alaska and it's like i didn't i didn't really consider that as a possibility but as soon as someone said that i'm like yeah that is a possibility Mm -hmm. i could do that absolutely and then another thing that i think is really important to acknowledge like throughout your 
like journey doing this is like how did you did you ever feel like you were on the wrong path or like how did you deal with like because so many people in our circle like immediately went to college so like I feel like personally like I and I'm struggling with that now like being almost 25 and like seeing a bunch of people on very specific paths and doing the right quote-unquote right things like you know and struggling internally with that how how did you deal with that as like a freaking 18 19 year old like that's so hard hmm i think i didn't have that much doubt about whether or not like my path was the right one or not i think partially because it like felt right like like i liked being in alaska you know and i was like yeah this is cool like you know, but, uh, I did have some doubts for sure. Like once all my friends were starting college and then I was still doing a seasonal job and then I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should give this some more thought. Cause then I kind of, I did kind of start to realize it was almost a year after we graduated high school. So, you know, most of the people I knew were about to wrap up their first year and then it like did kind of start to dawn on me. I was like, okay, I'm working in restaurants. This is fun, you know, but like, if I'm going to do this, then I need to at least like try to like move up a bit in this world. And that was like kind of why I started thinking about culinary school because, you know, I was just, I was going from restaurant to restaurant at the seasonal jobs, which was, which was fun. But, you know, then I started thinking more seriously after doing that for about a year. And uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, I should try to like move up a little bit. Like I'm down with this, but I want to like move up a bit more. So then I decided to go to culinary school because I, actually had applied to culinary school before graduating high school uh uh, because we were required to but i just i i got accepted and i just checked the defer option and i and when i did that it was kind of like half serious like i was like "Eh, i'm probably not gonna do that but but then in the end you know i i always had that kind of as a backup plan in the back of my mind and then yeah almost a year after we graduated high school i was like i think that's the thing to do now just to further myself a little bit but uh you know there's a lot of ways you can do that like it's not like college is the only way and i mean i only i got an associate's degree in culinary arts which is plenty for that career path and there's a lot of things that you could like try to further yourself in it, in whatever you might be doing but it doesn't necessarily mean you need to like go get a degree or anything yeah absolutely i completely agree i think an interesting thing that we've talked about like in terms of you going to culinary school is how And this is something that I wanted to bring up on the podcast is how everyone was like, what are you going to do with that? Like, what are you going to do with that? Like, what's your goal? Like, you want to be an executive chef? Like, everyone questioning, like, what's the point of wasting this money? What's the point of putting in this effort? And just give me your perspective on that. The naysayers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. It was pretty yeah there was a lot for sure i mean i mean yeah pretty much every single person i told that i was going to johnson and wales university in denver for a culinary arts degree pretty much every single person like kind of got like a i don't know questioning look like Mm -hmm. just like why would you do that like (laughs) and and i mean there are there were some legitimate reasons they were asking one culinary school is typically very expensive i was lucky to get really good financial aid uh, but yeah, that's a huge concern and it is a legitimate one. Culinary school is very expensive. It's Usually a it's great one. Yeah. Like one of the best in the country or world. Yeah, yeah. Johnson and Wales is like definitely one of the best. They're awesome. Wow. Uh, I did oh. not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, they're really good. Um, but yeah, usually it's like thirty to fifty thousand a year for culinary school because they're pre- they're all private schools. Yeah. And uh, the restaurant industry or being a chef, it's you know one of the lowest paid jobs, one of the lowest paid industries. So like, you know, there's a huge discrepancy between the price of the education and what you're actually going to earn from it. Outrageous. And that, it yeah. is a, it is a, mm-hmm. it's crazy Seriously. and and it's a legitimate concern. But I got pretty good financial aid and. You know, I just wasn't really worried about that because yeah. I went to school because I wanted to learn to cook. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the it wasn't the like end goal of like I want to be an executive chef. It was like I want to have the knowledge to cook mm-hmm. and I'll have an associate's degree and like that's a credential and that's a like hard skill that I will know forever. Yeah. And that was a big thing. Like I'm like I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but at the very least I will know how to cook for the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that, yeah, that was something people didn't necessarily, I don't know, like, get. Yeah. Like, they were kind of, like, okay, but, like, what are you going to do with it, though? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, like, I don't know. I mean, 
I guess I'm going to keep working in restaurants, do something with it. Like, I don't really know. And even throughout my degree, it was so funny because in all my classes, all the chefs were just said so many times, you know, they're like, well, like you got to figure out why you're here. Like, so if you're not here, if you don't want to like be an executive chef, like if you're not trying to get to the top then like, you might not be cut out for it. Like you might not have the passion, you know? And it was just like this big weed out thing. And like, I was kind of always like, I don't know, like I'm pretty passionate about cooking. I'm not necessarily (laughs) passionate about like being a head chef in a hotel in Vegas, but like, I like cooking a lot, so I'm going to stick it out. But yeah, I think people do focus on the end goal too much. And it's like, sometimes you just want to learn about something to learn about it. Yeah. So um, you seem very like intuitive and that you really intuitively follow what you know is right. Like going to Alaska, you like didn't really know what was going to happen there, but you just knew it was right. And then you like went to culinary school and everyone was like, why would you do that? And you just felt like it was right. And you seem like very strong in that like ability just to like do it because you know it's right regardless of whether or not you have a plan quote unquote that's my question (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's my question okay for sure for sure yeah i mean i think it was easy with those things in a way because like i i always knew that i've liked to cook and like traveling was something i was always interested in so like those things, it was kind of easy for me to rationalize because I'm like, okay, well, logically, I know I like cooking. Mm-hmm. I know I like traveling. So, like, going to Alaska makes sense. Going to culinary school makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like I didn't have hesitations about it or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately I did kind of just try to, like, yeah, go with the flow of it, go with what felt right and, like, sort of trust myself because, uh, like, I mean, I knew I was interested in those things and I'm like, okay, well, it can't be that bad to learn about something that I know I'm interested in, you know, even, even if nothing else comes of it, you know? So yeah, I think trusting yourself is big and it's hard because like sometimes you should listen to other people when they tell you not to do something or to do something, but then I don't know, I guess you have to have the discretion to know like when you know what's best for yourself, but it's a hard balance to find. Yeah, it's extremely hard. Like that's one of the hardest like challenges I think for people in general which is like part of the reason I wanted you on the podcast because like it's something I mean I I went to business school okay like (laughs) that sucks (laughs) that blows like I fucking went to business school that's so annoying (laughs) I hate that and it's because I was like an unaware little 18 year old baby child that had no self-awareness and like didn't listen to myself and that's been a real problem like throughout my like I mean it's it's not a pro it is a problem but like it's something I'm working on and it's moved me through a lot of experiences where like you can't regret anything in life like I probably did that for a reason I hope there's a reason I went to business school but like looking back if I had really known myself and trusted myself I wouldn't have done that and also like in certain relationships I wouldn't have been in them (laughs) you know and like that's something I've learned from you is like yeah just trusting like myself and what feels right and it's like you don't have to I mean it's such an illusion like this is kind of a tangent but no one freaking knows it's like okay yeah like major in finance like you don't know if you're going to be successful Mm -hmm. like you don't know that that's going to pan out major in whatever engineering you don't know that that's going to work out in the way that you do and also like sure if you're making a buttload of money like that doesn't mean you're going to be happy Like, that doesn't mean your life is going to be purposeful. Uh So something you've taught me, like, helped to integrate into me is, like, listening to myself and, like, what do I define as, like, happiness or success? And, like, maybe, yeah, yeah, like, letting go of what's going to happen and trusting that making a move based on myself will lead to something good. I think, uh, like, people always want, like, it's like an illusion of safety, you know, yeah. like, like you can go to school for a safe degree and you can, cause you have an illusion of safety. You have an illusion that like, Oh, well now that I'm, you know, getting whatever degree, business, finance, engineering, like, mm-hmm. well, I'm safe. Like I'm safe. Cause yeah. I'll get a job. I'm safe. Cause it'll pay well. I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Cause like I'll be stable and I'm safe because I'll have a useful degree and I'm safe because I'll have like a, you know, respected degree. Yep. Like it's yeah. all like about these like illusions of safety, mm-hmm. but like, like no one knows the future. And yeah, you, mm-hmm. you cannot guarantee that any of those things are actually going to be true. It's yeah. just like, it's just, it's all like a big illusion, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, and I feel like 
Barrett's also done a really great job with this because like you're getting such a like great degree that's something you know you care about Mm -hmm. and like I think you should say a little something about that too because it's also very relevant yeah well it's funny because I went to school at first for theater and people obviously as they always are were like why on earth would you go to school for theater that's a stupid idea and then I only went and did that for a semester so that kind of just like fell to the ground but then yeah so then I figured out I wanted to do special ed and even still even though it's education and like there are lots of opportunities for teachers and especially special education teachers all these people specifically like people who are older and they have even more of the idea of like this is what you need to do the illusion of safety path they were like teachers don't make any money like why would you go into school and get a teaching degree if you're gonna make shit money I'm like that's not the point at all so I totally yeah I have been able to like follow my heart that's cheesy but kind of like with that just like knowing okay that's fine I don't care that I'm not gonna make a ton of money because I like it so, yeah, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the money thing. It's such a huge thing that people mm-hmm. always yeah. love to bring up to me with the culinary arts degree. Yeah. And, yeah, to bring it more to the present, also with the psychology degree. I mean, it's funny how many parallels there are because it's, like, so many of the same reactions. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it doesn't sound like you'll make very much money unless, <laughs> you know, with culinary school, is like, well, it sounds like you won't make much money unless you become a really high-up chef. And with psychology, it's like, well, you're not going to make that much money unless you go for the doctorate. Right. And, like, that's always a concern. But it's like, why do you, why like, you know, everyone assumes it's like, why do you yeah. assume, like, that's such a huge concern, yeah. you know? Like, like, because, one, you don't even know. You don't know how much money you're going to make. And like two, like, I mean, it's been shown, you know, you get to like $100,000 a year and it's like you have diminishing returns on happiness. So mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's, the, the passion's important. And, and especially for something like, you know, special education where you have mm-hmm. more of a sense of fulfillment and purpose than yeah. like an accountant probably would have. I mean, for a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people that can make up the financial difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just like really hammer that point in (laughs) I yeah I mean at the end of the day like uh, when you picture yourself when you're 80 years old and on your deathbed like what do you have hope 80 or (laughs) not (laughs) no 80 180 years old and we're all dying whatever but you're 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 picturing your life like this is the Viktor Frankl like strategy and you like look back on your life you're picturing yourself looking back on your life like what really do you hope to have accomplished? Like at the end of the day, like, is it, do you want seven Lamborghinis? Like, are you going to be so happy? Like when you're on your deathbed and they're sitting in your garage, like that's going to like be what makes you like so filled with joy and purpose. Like, no, it's going to be the experiences. And I really think everyone has a unique special purpose that they can bring to the world to make it a little better. Yeah. And I also can't shit on anyone for wanting financial security, obviously. Like, financial security is important. And, like, we're not those delusional kids that are like, yeah, like, live in a shack and, like, do your purpose. Like, and then you'll be great because you have to have your needs met. But, yeah. but really, like, these two people right here, like, they're doing it right, in my opinion. And they've helped me and inspired me to want to do it the right way, too. So, mm-hmm. on that, we should take a quick sec. Yeah. All right, we're back. So um, before you mentioned going to school for psychology, which I know you're doing now, and so how about you talk about what got you into that and what interests you in psychology? And yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, psychology is awesome. Yes. And I really like it. It's cool. But <laughs> yeah. I really like it. What a, it, it all started, I think, with the show Criminal Minds, which Whoa. I... I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Which I, uh, yeah, I watched that show a lot with my mom when I was a kid, uh-huh. like probably starting when I was like around 11 or 12 or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, sh- I thought that school was, or that, I thought that show was really cool. So then I remember kind of being more in high school and just looking up like, what are, like, what are those people? You know, like, what yeah. is that job called? Mm-hmm. Like, what are those people doing? And then I found out that what it's called like forensic psychology. Oh. And I was like, okay. Cause, cause to me, even being in high school, I was kind of like, I don't really know what psychology is. Yeah. Like it's, it's sort of one of those things that I feel like is kind of like 
kind of broad like it's yes. so broad and it's kind of vague yeah. and I was like I don't yeah. really know what I would like even be studying if I did that but yeah I found out they were called forensic psychologists that was like kind of their job so then I remember looking up a school for like a forensic psychology degree and that was like one of the first things I ever looked up like a degree where I was like uh-huh. okay maybe I would want to do that like that seems like a pretty cool thing to do I didn't end up doing it of course but this interest in psychology has definitely been present in me since I was pretty young yeah. and when I went to culinary school it was I kind of did have in the back of my mind like I was like well once I get an associates I can transfer I can be a transfer uh-huh. student and like I knew I was interested in psychology I didn't necessarily want to commit four years to a full degree but I was like I know I, I can do culinary arts that's a two-year degree I'll do that and then if I want to do something else whether it's psychology or otherwise yeah. you know I can transfer into that later on so yeah here I am 24 I started my psychology degree last year last mm-hmm. fall when I was uh-huh. 23 and yes I am doing it now and I find it very interesting mm-hmm. we love it yeah lots yeah. of fun facts where do you go I go to the University of Hawaii at Manoa mm-hmm. but I am currently living in Louisville Colorado so we're going to move there in about a month yeah but i think that's i think that's a good point to acknowledge that this is like a coming together of a lot of things i like so i mentioned you know really wanting to travel and move around mm -hmm. and like psychology has always been interesting to me so like this whole situation that all these random steps have led me to is kind of like you know it really makes a lot of sense for me I, w- I wouldn't have been able to like predict that this would be my life a couple years ago but yeah. things like really have fallen into place and now when I look back on everything I'm like okay you know it makes sense that I'm here now yeah yeah you can I mean you can never know in the future what's going to happen or what will be right but I feel like a lot of times you can look back and realize what got you there yes yeah, that's a really important point. I was listening to another podcast. Oop, that's our puppy, Teddy. It's okay. Shush. Hey, Bubba. Just a moment. We're just going to quiet her down. She's being good. Anyway, so um, a point I was listening to in another podcast recently was this dude, and he's, like, one of the people that helped create, like, it's the Human Genome Project, which is, like, one of the ways we, like, it's one of the only ways we know anything about DNA, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. He's a really smart, amazing dude. One of the youngest people to get his, like, doctorate from Oxford. Like, he got it within, like, two years. Like, this guy's a genius. But uh-huh. he said something that really stuck out to me that you just triggered a memory of that I think is really important to remember. But he's, like, you know, all these successful people, these people we admire, they're, like, they're like, yeah, when I was, like, 10, I knew I was going to be on this path and how I was going to get there and, like it was always so clear to me and he's like all of you guys are full of bullshit like we never know like we kind of just fall into things like life is just a sequence of like serendipity and happenstance and like being in the right place at the right time and meeting the right people and like things do kind of like fall together but that's what you just reminded me of so i think that's a very good point all right here's where some psychology knowledge can can come in handy so yeah there's this thing that i like to talk about called survivorship bias and it's that when people like survive a situation, they tend to say that they survived the situation, whatever it may be, because of their own personal actions and decisions. So mm-hmm. like, um, you know, someone who like even, I don't know, gets in a car accident or whatever, if like they survive and the other people die, uh, that could be an example where they could say, oh, well, yeah, like I knew, like I had a feeling that I should just sit in the back right seat and that saved my life. Yeah. It's survivorship bias. It's not like, like, did they have that feeling? Who knows? Like, yeah, so, and, and it's the same thing with like business exec- executives and all these super successful people when they say, oh, well, I had faith. I knew that it would work out. And like, that's why I'm so successful because really it's like, there's a huge element of survivorship bias of them, of them looking back and seeing, well, like, it's kind of like hindsight bias too which is like hindsight's 2020 you know you you always know what you're supposed to have done yeah but yeah the people who are the survivors with the survivorship bias for example famous musicians you know Mm -hmm. they'll say well yeah of course like it was just faith you know like i just made it because i believed like harder than the people who failed really who knows what it was connections luck money more skill you you know it's hard to say Mm -hmm. but yeah 
same with the hindsight bias. A lot of people like to just look back and say, well, yeah, you know, like I knew that like I had this feeling or like I knew that if I did this, it could like eventually lead me here. And like I knew all along and like the reality is that's kind of bullshit because mm-hmm. people have a lot of biases and like they like to as- um, ascribe their successes to themselves oh. and they like people like to credit themselves for the successes they've gotten. Wow. Uh, but mm-hmm. the reality is like a lot of people's successes are not always fully dependent on them. They're always yeah. not. They're, they're always not. not. They, yeah. They never are. And and no one ever knows where they're going to end up. But a lot of people say that they always knew they would end up there. Yeah. I think that gives, I just think I, I didn't know that before until Brandon told me. And also that makes sense with the quote that I mentioned, but I think it just gives people peace of mind sometimes. Cause like, if you fail, it's not cause you weren't good enough sometimes, you know, like sometimes the world was just working against you. And I think that's important to know. Um, my sister has had this like weird a lot of stuff happened this past year but Mm -hmm. she thought she knew what she wanted to do in college and then like since many things happen including like the coronavirus and stuff Mm -hmm. she's been really scared and worried and she's like I don't know if I want to do this anymore like Barrett what am I supposed to do and I try to tell her like you know things usually come into place you just keep doing like the next right thing but I was really lucky because things just kind of fell into my lap like you said sometimes things just come together but how if ever did you manage like feeling like oh shit I don't know what I'm doing like what's gonna happen and just like continue to be like feel like I don't know faith that like things would come together hmm this might be this might be kind of a weird answer it's just the first thing I think of though like during my whole since I could work like I got a job when I was 16 and I've been working the whole time. And I do think part of my like ability to move forward and have faith is the fact that I've been just working the entire time. So like I've always kind of made sure that I have like some financial security for myself from like working. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, that has always like just always having like a full time job, like doing something that I liked, you know, cooking in a restaurant, which isn't always ideal, but I did like doing it. Yeah. Just having like a full-time job and financial security, I think like has helped me yeah. a lot of the time. Cause it's, I don't know. I've just always, it's always kind of like, well, what's the worst that could happen? Like, right. you know, like, like at least I have money, you know, I'm going to be yeah. able to pay my rent. Like, yeah. it's like, I don't know, whatever. Like I'll, I'll live and buy food and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of like helped me just having like sort of like, at least some sense of stability and that's different for everyone. Some, some people need like, you know, a lot more money to like feel that true stability. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I had enough money to pay rent and buy food and stuff. And that gave me enough stability to like, be willing to kind of like, I think take chances in other areas. Yeah. Like with going to school for degrees that wouldn't necessarily be lucrative. Yeah. Right. I I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think partly like what you're touching on is like moving. Like it's like yes, just being on the sure. move, like yeah. making progress, like yeah. growing in one way or the other, right. like not just like being paralyzed yes. in fear, but like even if you have a full time job, potentially like you're meeting new people, you're coming into new experiences, like yeah. you're, you're out in the world living life. And I feel like if you're doing that, you're yeah. growing inevitably and like you're, you just have to be moving. Yeah. You just always have to be moving. Totally. you feel yeah and you're you're good at that little fish yeah i think i think that's a better way of putting what i was trying to say is like yeah having movement having momentum like mm-hmm. kind of always yeah i don't know just always having things in your life that you i don't know like that yeah keep pushing you because yeah mm-hmm. it's like okay if you have a full-time job and you're working and making money that's at least something that's like it's an obligation and it yeah. keeps you like going you know and, and i'm yeah. I'm like, yeah, it kind of sucks working full time sometimes because then you don't have much of a life outside of it. But at the same time, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a full time job either. But yeah, yeah, I think it's important to have momentum and just like keep going. Even if you like, you know, don't really know what you're doing in school, for example. It's like, okay, like, you know, go to a trivia night on the weekend. At least you're doing something like you're going. You're just like going and doing something or like, yeah, I don't know. Draw a picture, whatever. Like, just do something. Keep like some momentum going, like do things. Just do things you know that are good for you ideally <laughs> amen i completely and utterly agree so my next question is just kind of a fun one um 
what are some of the most important things you've learned so far with your psychology degree? Because you have a lot. You've told me a lot. And some of these things are kind of like fun to, I feel like just other people to know. Just like, that's why I admire your degree because I mean, psychology, it applies to everyone and everything in every situation all the time. So that's why people are so stupid when they're like, why psychology? Like why psychology? And it's like, I could psychoanalyze you right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. There's so much cool stuff. I mean, it's all about like the study of human mind and human interactions and stuff like that. But yeah, one thing that I think kind of relates to what I was saying earlier with like hindsight bias and stuff, mm-hmm. it's called the fundamental attribution bias. Oh. And uh, this is more present in like Western cultures than Eastern mm-hmm. cultures because like more individualistic versus like collectivistic and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's basically the idea that people tend to credit themselves for their successes, internal forces, and they credit external forces for their failures. And that's pretty much, that's like pretty much across the board. Like, especially if you're in an individualistic society, I'm sure that you'll notice people who do that. Like yeah. if, if you do well on a test, you're like, oh yeah, it's because I studied. If you do bad on a test, you're like, damn, the teacher graded me way too hard. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's an interesting one. And I think being aware of that is cool because then when you have a success or a failure, you can be like, well, you know, how much of this am I responsible for and how much am I not? Like yeah. just be real, you know, just be real with yourself. Um, another interesting one is like, well, it's just the idea of like in groups and out groups. And this is basically the root of racism, nationalism, like whatever it may be. It's like humans ultimately are animals and they like are from like kind of like packs, you know, small, small groups. So like one of the things that people naturally have is in group, out group bias. So you could even like put um, they've done studies where like you could even put people in a room and like, for example, you make half of them wear white t-shirts and half of them wear black t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And like, like if you do the study right, you will find that like the people in the white t-shirts will, they will, they'll like each other more. Like they will, st- they will just over the course of a study. Like, like if you ask them to rate each other at the end of the mm-hmm. study, like just rate all the other people on, on anything, you know, any characteristics, like generally the people with the white t-shirts, for example, would probably rate each other higher. They would like wow. view each other more favorably just because throughout the course of the study, they developed an in-group bias. So like they all felt like, well, we're all, we're a group. So like mm-hmm. they just, you know, subconsciously think of each other more positively. Wow. Yeah. So that's like really, it's important to remember because it happens in so many situations and it's like why cliques form in like high school and stuff like that. It's why, yeah, racism, like it's all just like in-group, out-group bias. And it and it changes depending on the context too. But yeah. but yeah, when people feel like they're in a group, well, like they're going to look at their in-group favorably and the out-group unfavorably almost all the time, which is why um, it's really important to have like um, – like bias like racial bias training and and i mean just training for like all kinds of biases it's super important in like businesses and things like that uh to recognize underlying biases because just as soon as you know okay like in group out group bias then if you're in a situation where you can like identify that it's like a huge step towards being able to overcome it yeah Yeah, a couple couple interesting i know i think it's really um yeah really important to know should be common knowledge but now you get it here, folks. I think we're going to take a quick break really quick, and we'll be right back. A quick sec. Just a quick sec. Okay, so you mentioned, like, racism earlier, and we know you're, like, very, like, social justice-y. <laughs> so um, do you want to talk a little bit about, like, how you came to be so passionate about that? All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, like, it's always hard to say when things like that really, like, started. Like, it's not like I necessarily remember a moment where I'm like, huh, I care about this. But I do remember, like, always being, like, generally kind of aware of these things in society. And, like, especially having a few classes in high school that sort of exposed me a little more. And then, like, starting to realize more that these are, like, things I care about, social issues and all that. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think a huge part of it is probably from my childhood because I 
had a lot of like firsthand experience with some of these issues. Like I am a white man. So like, I don't know anything about racism or gender discrimination, uh, like from personal experience, but I did grow up like pretty low income. My parents were divorced and yeah. So my mom was a working mom. Mm -hmm. She was also trying to go to school for like when I was in elementary school. And then, yeah, my dad, like, had pretty severe substance abuse issues yeah. and uh, was, like, was, um, yeah, just kind of doing his own thing for a while. Yeah. Was, like, homeless for a pretty a pretty good amount of time, like, five, you know, the better part of, like, five to ten years, about ten years. So that's something that, like, you know, as a kid, I didn't like fully understand it, right. of course, but it's yeah. like getting older, you know, it's like when I was in high school and I would like see a homeless person on the street, it struck me so much more like yeah, how fucked yeah. up that is, yeah. you know, because like I'm like, damn, like that's one of my parents like that's, yeah. you know, it's the same situation yeah. that they could be in. And uh, I mean, it just helped to like humanize these yeah. these people and like and like impoverished people like I was I could you know, empathize with that more because yeah. I like kind of kind of understood it. I mean, I wasn't like dirt poor or anything, mm -hmm. but uh, it definitely made me have an awareness of these issues yeah. and like humanized the people going through these things more because like just my background, I couldn't really, you know, some people can like just turn a blind eye to these things, go about their life, you know, never really think about it. And like, I mean, some people can live like that. And, you know, that's their thing. But, like, for me, I really never could because I was like, how can I turn a blind eye to any of this? You know, like, this is my life. This is, like, shaping, yeah. like, my direct mm -hmm. my direct circumstances that I'm living in. Yeah. So, as I've gotten older, I think social issues, especially, like, you know, poverty, substance abuse, homelessness, mm -hmm. uh, and, like, uh, like, social services, social safety nets and things like that. Those have all been like really big things that I've become passionate about as yeah. I've become older. Yeah, and mental health mm. for sure. Mm. You're definitely very passionate about mental health. Will you talk a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's like also definitely a huge part of my psychology degree that I've realized is a passion that's developed more throughout studying psychology. Uh, is that yeah mental health is super important and it's like kind of a root cause of why um, a lot of these issues in society exist i mean it's yep. like like 95 percent yeah. of homeless people are mentally ill mm -hmm. and uh, you know mo a lot of people in jails are too and yeah, yeah. and to make the problem worse you know like when you have someone who's homeless and mentally ill and like they urinate in public because they don't have a bathroom like there's nowhere for them to go. Like yeah. there's nowhere for the police to put them. There's nowhere for mm -hmm. city workers to put them except mm -hmm. for jail. Yeah. So they go to jail and you know, then you just have a lot of mentally ill people who are either homeless or in jail. And that's not really where they should be because yeah. like it, it's, it's like they, you know, they just need help. Uh, so yeah, mental health so big. I mean, it's, and, and like substance abuse and mental mm -hmm. health, there's so much overlap there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, mental health is, like, so important. So that's one reason I do like studying psychology as well. It's a huge root cause of, of like, so many problems in our, in our society. You know, if people had ways to better improve their mental health, then society could be a lot better. Also, not to mention that um, it takes so much money to treat mental health and to get medications and, like therapy for it and so then the homeless people don't even have the money to get the help they need oh that's yeah. i i feel passionate about that too it's a terrible cycle it's yeah. just yeah like systemic like poverty and oppression and yeah yeah and i mean one of the things that i think is so disturbing is like the war on homelessness where yeah. it's kind of like a, oh. it's like a war on like existing yeah. out outside yeah. essentially yeah. and and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it's like just terrible to like kind of be like, well, you like, you shouldn't exist out here. Like that's yeah. kind of like the underlying message. Yeah. Uh, so that's a pretty fucked up thing to say to someone. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's horrible. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you do have more direct um, experience with these issues than people, especially in our area, like growing up. I think that gives you definitely a very unique perspective so, like, what's something you would say to someone that, like, has one of these views, like, like, I've heard, like, they should get a job. 
Like they yeah. like they've taken they it upon themselves. Like yeah. they're doing drugs. You know, like what what would you say? Yeah, well, I mean, I would I would like look at that person's life, the homeless person, and I would try to go back to like almost like the beginning and be like, yeah. okay, well, so if this person was super impoverished for whatever reason, like, mm-hmm. and they stole something because they were poor and then they went to jail and they got a felony, mm-hmm. well, now they're unemployable. Mm-hmm. And like, if they already had some kind of mental illness to begin with, like, you're a felon and you're a mentally ill felon yeah. and you've done jail time. Yeah. And like, there's no place, there's no place in society for people like that be- because it's just like, okay, get a job. Well, you can't, no one's going to hire you if you've, yeah. if you're a felon and you've done jail time and you're mentally yeah. ill, but it's not like these people are like incapable of doing anything. It's totally. just that there's not like, there's not really like the right social services totally. to help them actually do the things that they're capable of doing. Yeah. So yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. No. Um, I, I think also like, yeah, I mean, so much of it is mental illness, you know, and like our, our society doesn't like prioritize mental health. Nope. So it's like, you know, if you have mentally ill people, whatever it may be, and they don't really know what to do to better themselves or they don't have access to yeah. to the proper care, you know, and that's how people end up in in uh, like impoverished situations, kind of just run out of options and society doesn't necessarily give people in that situation more options. Yeah. Yeah, it seems pretty intentional that things are set up that way, honestly. Like, if people had more resources, like, yeah, just the amount of uplift that we'd be able to do in our society for people in these situations, but alas. Um, Yeah, so that brings me to my next question. I know, like, this is a little more future-oriented, but you have more plans for the future, which kind of relates to our whole, like, mindset thing. So what are your what are your future plans, Brandon? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So talking about mental health is a good way to segue into like the future. Um, Cause yeah, I, I, this like, this is another kind of semi recent discovery is like how much I think mental health is important. Um, Cause I've, that's always been so part of the social justice stuff, but was that during your psychology degree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So definitely throughout my psychology degree learning specifically, I took like a clinical psychology class where we studied all these disorders and things. Yeah. And then I kind of like realized I'm like, Oh yeah. Wow. Like this is really interesting. You know, like this is kind of maybe more of an element that I would like to pursue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really am interested in like more large scale, like systemic stuff you know, pertaining to mental health. So I'd really like to go get a master's degree, hopefully two. Mm-hmm. I've looked at a master's in public health, which mm-hmm. I which is the one I'm leaning towards the most because I think that encompasses a lot of what I'm interested in. There's It's very interdisciplinary. There's a huge psychology component. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, yeah, really public health, you know, public mental health specifically is mm-hmm. just like something that our society has so much work to do on. Yeah. And I would really like to help that you know we're talking about ease of access and that's like a huge Mm -hmm. thing i think like like uh uh one of the kennedys um one of the living the only living kennedy right now who's a politician i believe he spent like the last couple decades trying to pass a bill that made it so that insurance companies are required to provide um counseling but it's so but insurance companies are like so slimy they have found so many loopholes they have found so many ways to get around it and like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's ridiculous how difficult it is to get like counseling or therapy if you're on like Medicaid. Yeah. And there's just like all these problems. It's, it's like people don't have education about what they need to do for their mental health. Like people don't even necessarily know like, okay, like if you eat right, that will influence your mental health. Yeah. It's called the uh, gut brain axis mm-hmm. and it's a real thing. And like people don't necessarily always know like, okay, you know, if you like exercise regularly, mm-hmm. you're going to feel better. Yeah, like, yeah. I think they could do a better job of like prioritize, prioritizing these things in school. And just generally, like it's, it's so, so much of it is education is like what people can do on their own for their own yeah. mental health and their own physical health, which are so intertwined. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And you just reminded me of a whole thought just came together right there. Um, but I also thought a good like thing we should bring up for you being on the podcast in particular is you're, you are very self-aware. I feel like you have a keen sense yeah. of self-awareness, which leads into everything as well as mental health. 
I feel like what people like don't understand is how like people don't aren't even aware of their feelings. Like people don't even know how to articulate what they're feeling, which is so crazy. Like I honestly can't say that I did before. Like I was 20. Mm -hmm. Like I'm seriously like to, to literally be like, I am right now feeling frustrated or of course I knew anger, but there were certain feelings that I struggled to identify with. And like, even work out further like why I was feeling them because we're not taught that you know and our parents weren't taught that and it's so hard to do that so a question I have is like how have you developed your self-awareness and do you have any tips for people in developing their own self-awareness I know it's kind of a big one Hmm. yeah so I guess to bring it back to my upbringing and things I think I was almost required to have self-awareness because I was like more at home by myself like a lot more than I think a lot of kids are because I don't have any siblings and you know I was uh living with my mom who was working or in school a lot of the time so I think it was like easier for me to develop self-awareness because it was sort of like necessary like I was by myself a lot so I kind of just it happened more naturally for me but on that note I would say that it's important to have time by yourself, like to reflect, because I do think, I do think part of the reason that stuff can be hard for people is that there's so many like distractions in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can do whatever you want at any time. Like we have the internet, TV, movies, whatever. And also just, there's so much like social stimulation. We have cell phones. People are always talking to their friends and things like that. But I think it is important to like have time by yourself. Like I've, I've been into like journaling since I was kind of like around high school. And I think that's always been a huge way that I've helped with self awareness. Um, Yeah. But whether it's journaling or whatever, I think it's important to have times where you're like by yourself reflecting. Um, Like even if it's like taking, you know, a walk or whatever, but I think like people need to have kind of times where it's just them and they're just like sort of not occupying themselves doing anything so they can kind of like reflect more and I think you can make a lot of progress by doing that yeah absolutely I kind of want to get Barrett's opinion on all of this like self-awareness and like what do you do you what do you do to like gain self-awareness and like what's your perspective like do you feel like you had one like growing up and your parents instilled that in you or like do you was there a time when you kind of switched and developed your own like yeah, well, so I grew up with my parents both being um, sober, and they're in. They did some things. They were in some groups, and that's all I'll say. But in those groups, like they, you're taught a lot about being self-aware, like taking responsibility for your actions, like just like owning up to stuff, apologizing to people when you've like done something wrong to them, and. I think I was really fortunate and me and my siblings were really fortunate in that we were raised by parents who had like all of this like self-awareness and just like all these techniques to like do those things. So I really, yeah, yeah, I'm really fortunate to have grown up with it and, you know, I've, I've dabbled in some of those groups. So like I've learned more from that and yeah, I think it's just a lot of it. I was just really lucky Mm -hmm. raised by like good, stable people. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that's like a whole other thing because I'm definitely not like I my parents are very self-aware as well. But I think that just came from life, you know, like growing up in whatever. So I think just like we're never taught the tools on how to communicate that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think my parents like I think they did a really good job and I'm not blaming it on them. But like it's just such an obscure thing that's not talked about in society. And like I think they developed it on their own, like through their life experiences But I, yeah, like, it's just cool that there are, like, ways to build it and communicate it and, like, really focus on it, like, intentionally. Yeah. So it's cool, yeah, that, yeah, your parents, yeah, it's pretty dope. And with that, I think we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. So um, the next thing I wanted to talk about, because obviously I know you very well at this point, is um, you are very brave i feel like you deal with fear in a very healthy and constructive way and you don't let it hold you back in life but just something a lot of people deal with myself included and i think it could be beneficial to hear someone like yourself talk about that and how you deal and cope with fear 
All right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, fear isn't everyone. I obviously get afraid too. And I'm not necessarily sure like how or why I'm better at like dealing with it than some people. But I think one thing I am pretty sure of is that it's a very like compounding effect. Like the more you're willing to face fear, the better you get at doing it. And I think, I think in a way part of it is like, if you're afraid of doing something like just telling yourself, like committing to it, whatever it is, like committing to it somehow, whether it's just like writing it down in your planner or your phone or like telling other people you're going to do it. But like, there is like something I think very powerful about just like telling yourself, like, I'm going to commit to this, you know, like, like even if it's just like, you know, joining a school club or whatever, and you're like nervous about meeting people, it's just like, you know, I guess part of like the, the, the facing the fear and like the bravery is just like, not half-assing things like it's kind of like i don't know it's it's sort of like if i want to commit to something even if it's scary like i will commit to it Mm -hmm. and then at that point i don't see it as an option anymore i Mm -hmm. if i'm committed i'm like then that's like that's the option like you know if i'm i'm moving to hawaii okay like that's what's happening it's not that it's an option of whether i'm moving or not it's like that's what i'm doing so i think that's a huge part of it is committing to yourself holding yourself accountable you know Mm -hmm. and but it's also important to like, it's not like, I don't know. I, I mean, you should be aware of like what you're signing up for mm-hmm. and commit to the things you want to commit to. But yeah, I think there's also that compounding effect where it's like every time you take a chance, go outside your comfort zone, mm-hmm. like now you're comfortable going outside your comfort zone yeah. in that, at least in that scenario. And it just always helps. Uh, like I remember reading back to the psychology. <laughs> I remember reading this guy who had like, he was a uh like he was himself a psychiatrist i believe and he had like really bad social anxiety especially in relationships so what he did is he went to central park in new york every day for a year and he asked out a woman every single day he would just be like hey want to go out with me for a year and like his phobia went away because after a year he was like why why am i scared of this i just did this 365 times he didn't have he didn't have anything to be afraid of you know so that's like such a huge part it's just like go outside your comfort zone and keep doing it because the more you do it the easier it gets yeah and that leads me to my next portion which is um you are also a very confident person which is kind of relating to what we're just speaking about, you know, as you build confidence, you feel less afraid to do certain things. And, um, just because I know you well, I know you have a unique, in my opinion, unique story about how you built up your confidence, like very intentionally, once again, bringing it back to intentionality and self-awareness. But, um, I think that's good for people to hear as well Is like, you can, like, no one's just born confident. Like you, you have to do things to intentionally build it up. And I, I think you've done a good job because you do have that confidence and you didn't always. So if you'd speak on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of that is like nature versus nurture. How much is in is in it yeah. naturally and yeah. how much did I cultivate? Not really sure. But but I do know. Yeah. Like in high school, there was a point where like I was, you know, pretty insecure, just like all teenagers are. And yeah. I don't know, it was like, didn't know what to do with my life and felt like I was like just a loser or whatever. I'm like, Oh man, I want to be cooler. Like I want to get more girls, you know, like all this, all that like classic high school boy stuff. And I like literally was just like Googling, like, I don't know, just stupid stuff. Like, you know, like, I don't know, like how to be cooler, like how to get girls easier. And just like all this random stuff that I was insecure about, you know? And like this thing that kept coming up was like, be confident, be confident, be confident. And like, you know, it's kind of like the sentiment of like, fake it till you make it. Like, just like pretend you know what you're doing, you know, just like, yeah, be confident. And it's like, really, it, it is really hard sometimes. And I think I have an easier time doing it than some people, but like, yeah, it can be intentional too. You know, like if you tell yourself just like, okay, like I do want to be confident. It's kind of, is like the bravery thing. Like I want to commit to this. I'm confident I can do it. Like I'm telling myself I'm confident. Even if I like, don't fully believe it in my head like i'm gonna tell myself that i can do it you know because like the only one that can like prove you wrong is like yourself basically uh so yeah i don't know the the confidence thing is hard though because yeah i mean you can cultivate it you can definitely cultivate it for sure it can be difficult though 
So I like that you looked up, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? When you found, like, confidence, like, that that was, like, one of the things. Did you look into that? You seem, like, very much a go-getter, and you're like, okay, yeah. now I'm going to look into this now that I found this. Like, did you Google how do I be more confident? Uh, Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember, like, you know, it's, like, smiling, uh, engaging with people, like, even, like, all people. Yeah. You know, like not people who use like, like see as having status or whatever, but just like right. all people, you know, yeah. engaging with people and like, you know, the way you walk to and like, yeah. just, yeah, uh, the words you use, like there's specific words that people like use as fillers that like makes you appear less confident. Like, like, for example, the phrase, like, I'm just saying, like, oh. can kind of like detract from a person's like like credibility in totally. a sense so so yeah also like yeah. learning about things like that that like people just like uh like verbal tics yeah. that people do that can unintentionally kind of like make you seem less confident and so much of it is just yeah. so much no. so much of it is yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so much of it i mean is ultimately like psychology like it's so yeah. much of it is just like yeah. social perception like how how do like i don't know and it's not like all about how others perceive you but it is kind of the thing where it's like if you tell yourself okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to be confident. And then like people react to you as if someone who is confident, yeah. like then you do start to believe that you are confident. And it's yeah, kind of like with the bravery thing, it's just like a compounding effect where it's like, okay, I'm going to at least pretend to be confident, but then these people are going to react to me as if I'm really confident. And then it's like, well, like, okay, maybe I can really be confident, not just like pretend I'm confident. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you differentiate between your confidence and your ego? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a very hard one. I think like mm. arrogance and narcissism and mm. the ego and confidence are all so intertwined yeah. that confidence is not just a good thing. That's important yeah. to remember. It's not just a good thing. And that's why also when we were talking earlier about like, you know, trusting yourself over the word of other people. Well, that's another thing that can come with arrogance because if you think you're right all the time and you right. don't care what other people say, then yeah, like yeah. you're, you're arrogant. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that goes back to self-awareness. Yeah, like, yeah. and I, I just think a huge part of life is just always like questioning yourself uh-huh. and your own motives mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, I don't know. Like just genuinely asking yourself, am I being confident or am I being egotistical? Yeah. And like, you know, am I being brave or am I being reckless? And you know, there's no right answer, but yeah, self-awareness is very huge. Just always, I think just like checking in with yourself, just like yeah. you might check in with like one of your friends about how their day is, you know, like kind of like checking in with yourself about like, how you're acting and whether it's in accordance with who you like feel you really are yeah totally thanks for that great answer that honest answer um so i think just closing thoughts now if uh there's anything you'd like to say to people um any message you'd like to convey um you can say now I know it's broad. It's <laughs> open-ended. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I guess a huge thing is like, yeah, just don't be afraid to take chances. And like mm-hmm. the fear of failure is like, is like such a thing that needs to be overcome. Cause like a fear of yeah. failure is paralyzing and yeah. it's crippling, but failing, like failing is way less bad than not trying because you're afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. And it's also important, I think, to set goals that are like realistic, but pushes yourself because yeah. that's like how you build your confidence and your ability to uh, encounter situations that make you uncomfortable is like, mm-hmm. I think, setting goals and trying to do things where, you know, you're pushing yourself, but you're not being unrealistic. Yeah. And then, you know, you just have to have a lot of little wins, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah you eventually figure it out so yeah don't be afraid to take chances that would be a huge message of mine and that's a good one and you have credibility in that realm because you've done a whole bunch of different things that people would be scared to do and here you are you're fine you're great (laughs) you're thriving living your life figuring things out so you know you're not gonna die (laughs) if you (laughs) if you try you know unless you try something stupid all right so barrett do you have anything else to say 
Yes. Well, thank you for coming on. And you've really inspired me, honestly. And I feel like I'm going to practice being confident now, especially I really like that part and putting myself out there. Yeah, Yeah. I feel really good about it. And thanks for being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. I love you. (laughs) I admire you. And I'm glad um, you've put some of what, you know, inspires me about you out into the world. Well, thank you both for having me. This is a cool podcast. I'm glad you guys are doing it. And Sam, I love you too. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> All right. And our sign off. Ready, Barrett? Ready. Love you. Love you. You have to say it too. Love you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.